Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Citizens of Perfect Bell, football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's right, 100%. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect Perfectville. Welcome to Perfectville. Instant Reaction Show, Week 5, Sam Marcoux here once again. Miami Dolphins go down in defeat to the New York Jets. Uh, never thought I'd say that so quickly here in 2022. I, I thought we had more time before the Jets caught us, but apparently not only did they catch us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they ran right past us, uh, 40-17, to 17, and it wasn't even particularly that close. Uh, very odd game, very dismantling and uh, dismaying game if you're a Miami Dolphins fan like I am. And if you cover this team, you know that this was not the outcome that anybody had expected, even with Teddy Bridgewater instead of Tua Tungavailoa starting this game. Uh, but unfortunately, much like Tua in week four, Teddy doesn't finish this game because of some BS nonsense spotter. Uh, which we'll get into, but there's just so much more than just the Teddy Bridgewater stuff. There's more than the refs. There's more than than the injuries to the defensive backfield. There's more to a third-string rookie seventh-round quarterback coming in. Uh, it's just bad play all the way around. The Miami Dolphins played a bad football game against a mediocre team, and it cost them not only the game, but it cost them first place in the AFC East. It cost them second place in the AFC East, and they tumble down to the third spot behind the New York Jets and, of course, the Buffalo Bills, which they beat in week three. Uh, that victory against the Bills is proving to be quite costly for so many reasons. It's almost like they sold their soul to beat the Buffalo Bills, and nothing has gone right since. So let's just get into it. Number one, first and foremost, Teddy Bridgewater comes in. Um, gets himself an intentional grounding in his own end zone, uh, hurts his elbow. So, of course, he's in concussion protocol. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> this new, you know, rushed concussion protocol uh, approval process that the NFL and the NFLPA put in place is going to cost people games. It's going to cost players bonuses. It's going to be a problem until they correct the correction, which is going to have to happen because it doesn't take long before everyone starts to see the flaws in this. Now, of course, it happens to Miami, considering this is, quote unquote, the Tua Tunga Vailoa rule. Uh, everyone has a nice giggle and a laugh about it, but they won't be laughing when it happens to somebody else before too long. Uh, Teddy goes out. Skylar Thompson comes in and plays like what a third string rookie seventh round quarterback is supposed to play like, I suppose. Uh, didn't do great. 
uh, held in there as best he could. He gave all of his, you know, gave his all. But hey, there's a couple things here. You can't win when your third string quarterback is rushed out there. Uh, B in Miami, you can't win if your number is 19. We got to get Skyler a new number. He cannot reverse the curse of 19. We got to get that off of him right away. And thirdly, I think if anything else, if nothing else, what I'm hoping comes out of this Jets game, the silver lining of this dark, dark cloud that's starting to loom over the Miami Dolphins once again, is that I don't think anybody can look at this roster as it's currently constructed and think anything other then Tua Tungavailoa is the first string starting quarterback. He is the guy. He'd already been shutting people down the first three weeks of the season. But now when you see what Teddy Bridgewater couldn't do and what Skylar Thompson isn't ready to do, I don't think there's anybody out there that looks at this and says, Tua is not the guy. He is the guy. So that right there is at least some good news. We're getting some questions answered definitively, even in his absence. Now, that being said, he can't be the guy if he's not on the field. So we need Tua back, obviously healthy as best as he can. But Tua is the guy. So we have that settled. So at least there's that, Dolphins fans. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Tua Tungavailoa, QB1. It's not just a funny slogan and a number on his jersey. It is absolutely 100% the truth. Now, you can argue and debate whether or not there's other quarterbacks that are a better fit for the Miami Dolphins or not, but they're not on this roster. The only one that fits the best right now is, is Tua Tungavailoa. So we got to get him back. Number two, and I mean this sincerely, Mike Kosicki has to go. Mike Kosicki cannot be on this football team anymore and be effective. First of all, it doesn't even look like he wants to be here, and the team seems bothered by his existence. But 100 yards through five games ain't going to cut it. That's not what Mike Gesicki's talent is. He's not an inline blocker. He's not a guy that's going to pancake linebackers and defensive ends and safeties to make way for Raheem Mostert or Chase Edmonds. That's not his game. We tried to make it his game, and guess what? He's not engaged with this team. He doesn't seem like he's motivated to even go out and run pass uh, routes anymore. He's getting one catch a game right now, and other than the Baltimore Ravens game, he has been non-existent throughout the entire football season. He's too talented for that to be the case. So at this point, I think the Miami Dolphins need to cut their losses here a little bit and just call somebody up who needs a tight end and trade him. Trade him, get whatever you can. The return is not going to be much, but get him out of here. Focus on the people that want to be here and play the type of tight end football that you want to play. If that's Durham Smythe, great. If it's Tanner Connor, wonderful. If it's Hunter Long, even better. But Mike Isicki and the Miami Dolphins are headed to a nasty divorce. And I think you might as well just let bygones be bygones. Everyone be honest with one another and say, this isn't working out, Mike. It's not you, it's us, but it's also you. And do the breakup. Get the breakup happening right now. Because right now, the Miami Dolphins are sleeping in the bed and Mike Kosicki's sleeping on the couch. And everybody seems perfectly happy with that. So we got to cut the losses. Mike Kosicki's got to go. You got to trade him before the deadline. And I know that seems crazy, but it's not. He needs to be somewhere else. We need him to be somewhere else. And you need to move on. Speaking of moving on, this is what I would do if I were Mike McDaniel after this game and what I've seen so far this season. Jason Sanders' job, it's still his job, but I would bring in competition every week. And I mean this. I would be bringing in kickers every single week and telling Jason Sanders, you need to go kick for your job this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is a job interview. See if you have the job come Sunday. He's getting paid way too much money to be that mediocre of a kicker right now. You can't miss extra points. 
you, you got to hit field goals. I know some of these aren't chip shots, but that's what they're paying you for. And at this point, I think you have to look at this and put a line in the sand and say, if you're Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer and say, we're not going to accept this. If you don't want to be here or if you can't play to the standard that we have set for you, then we're going to look elsewhere. So I'd be bringing in kickers and I would put Jason Sanders on notice. You know, the rumor was he didn't like the holder last year. We got rid of the holder. We got a new one. So what is it now? Is it is it Morstead? Is he not holding the ball right either? No, it's Jason Sanders. And you need to hold him accountable and say, great, the Mountaineer shot was two years ago, if not three, no longer matters. You're here to kick field goals. You're here to kick extra points. And you're here to get touchbacks. If you're not doing those things, then you're not doing your job and you're overpaid for what we're for what you're doing. So that's what I would do starting this week, going into week six against the Minnesota Vikings. I would be bringing in kickers and trying them out and seeing if Jason Sanders can hold them off. See if it helps. I don't know. It's not going to hurt, is it? I mean, is it going to get worse? Maybe he does. But if that's the case, then that makes your decision for you anyway. So that's what I would do. I would trade Mike Kosicki, get whatever you can back. You're not designing plays for him anyway. So what are you really losing on offense next to nothing? I would put Jason Sanders on notice and tell him, quite frankly, your job's on the line every single week. You have a job interview on Tuesday. You have a job interview on Wednesday. You have a job interview on Thursday. Wear a tie. Speak eloquently. Don't screw it up if you're Jason Sanders. Here's the other thing. Long-term, this defense is a problem. Byron Jones isn't helping this team. Xavier Howard is trying, but he's injured. He's becoming more and more injured the older he gets. And you've got Cater Cahoo, great story as an undrafted free agent rookie. And you got Nick Needham, who's a great story as well in his own right. But that is not the combo that you bargain for if you're Mike McDaniel and this defense, Josh Boyer. You need those guys healthy. They're not doing us any favors if they're on the sidelines. And it says a lot that this team can't overcome that. And that's a lot of depth to overcome. Don't get me wrong. But it says a lot that if those two go down, this defense completely falls apart. The linebackers are not good. The linebackers need to be revamped completely. The defensive line is underperforming. There's a lot of talent. You can say what you want about the linebackers not being good, but I don't think they're particularly talented. Nobody's looking at the Miami Dolphins linebackers going, that is the group right there. You know, there there is not uh any sort of nobody's confusing them for like the 1980s Giants linebacker linebacking team. You know what I mean? Like it's just not there. But they're, they're okay as long as the defensive backfield and the defensive line are doing their jobs. And right now they're not. The defensive backfield is completely injured and the defensive line is not getting to the quarterback, not knocking the guys down, not creating pressure against people like Zach Wilson in a makeshift offensive line. They ran all over the Miami Dolphins. It was embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. So when you have the weakest part of your unit not being propped up by the stronger parts of your defensive unit, it's going to shine a light on them and not in a good way. So this defense needs to be rethought. They need to take a look at their playbook. They may need to rip a few pages out and burn them and get back to basics because they're missing tackles left and right. They're not really generating any sort of turnovers. They're not creating any sort of pressure from the quarterback. It's a mess. And when you're giving up 38 offensive points to the New York Jets and you have your third string rookie quarterback in there on offense, you're not going to win that game. You're just not. And that was proven. So defense needs a lot of work. Um, people are going to blame that, you know, Josh Boyer isn't the guy and it was Brian Flores. That's all newspaper fodder. The problem is the depth isn't there. And the supposed strengths of this team are not strong, at least not currently. 
So they need to write that ship and they need to do it fast because here's the dirty little secret. The Dolphins are three and two. I think depending on how they'd gotten to three and two, we'd be feeling a little bit different about this, but the, nonetheless, they're three and two and they got there by beating the Patriots, beating the Ravens, beating the Bills in that order. You can't beat those three teams to start your season and not expect the fans to have greater expectations against the Jets and now the Vikings. If Mike McDaniel doesn't have these guys ready to go against a very strong Minnesota Vikings team coming up, which, by the way, is fan appreciation weekend as well. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. If we come out flat like we were against the Jets, if we come out and get beaten down like we did against the Bengals and the Jets, and we lose a third game in a row after going 3-0 and against the Patriots, Ravens, and Bills, this fan base is going to turn on Mike McDaniel. You think I'm being crazy? I'm not. This is I've seen this movie so many times. I can read the script in my mind. If we lose three after winning the first three and the expectations were set way too high, this fan base is going to lose their minds on Mike McDaniel. The national media is already circling. They are so happy that Tua Tungavailoa got hurt. They're so happy that the Miami Dolphins are faltering right now. Everyone is excited to see the failure of the Miami Dolphins, unless you're a Miami Dolphins player or a Miami Dolphins fan. But if we lose three in a row, watch out. Watch out. Because at that point, you're now in uncharted waters if you're Mike McDaniel. You're now the head coach of a team that's on a three-game losing streak against teams that they were supposed to be beating after beating teams that they weren't supposed to be beating. And that means expectations are set way too high and you aren't reaching them. And that's a problem. That's when you start to see things spiral. That's when you start to see players start becoming, you know, rumor mongers. That's when you start seeing unnamed sources pop up with all these different reporters that are out there stirring up shit. So in many ways, this week six game is going to be a must win game for the Miami Dolphins. They have to beat the Minnesota Vikings. If they do not, this is going to be an ugly season. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So the positives, Raheem Mostert looked good. He looked good against the Jets. Uh, maybe we can start running the ball with some sort of concern for the opposing defenses. Maybe they have to respect that a little bit as Tua gets healthy, and that'll bring our passing game back up to speed. But not a lot of positives against this Jets team. I mean, Tyreek Hill walks out of there in a boot. Not good. Jalen Waddle looks like he has never, ever wanted to play quarterback or play with another quarterback other than Tua Tungavailoa. He's disappeared since Tua's been out. Not good. And that's really that's that boils it down, right? Citizens of Perfectville, this game was not good. There was not really one unit or really anything outside of Raheem Mostert that we should be writing home about. And speaking of a unit that I haven't even touched on yet, and that's because they don't touch the people they're supposed to block, this offensive line is horrible once again. And yet again, the Miami Dolphins need to invest more capital into this unit, into the offseason, to fix this. Now, Teron Armstead, great pickup. We're excited about him. Does us no good with that hurt toe. Like somebody else said, maybe he's got to cut that toe off so he can get back out there. Go Tim Bowen style. I don't know. But Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, the two veterans that we actually picked up and signed, are actually the ones that are playing the best. But Austin Jackson gets hurt by his own teammate week one. He's been on on injured reserve. His replacement, Greg Little, not good. Liam Eichenberg being left guard, not good. Robert Hunt, decent right guard. But you got two areas where they're ranked dead last. And that's left guard and right tackle. And all it takes is that weak spot. And in this case, two weak spots. And that offensive line crumbles. And that's exactly what's happened. Dead last 
in pass blocking, not much better in run blocking. That's that's pathetic. That's pathetic considering what you paid and what you invested to get this team on the offensive side of the ball up and running again. I mean, you can handle a defense maybe taking a step or two back, but not if the offense doesn't take those two or three steps to compensate for it. And that's exactly what happened against the Jets. So I don't want to set my hair on fire. I don't want to start yelling at the sky is falling. They're three and two. They got a winning record. They have a very good chance and a path to the playoffs. They obviously control their own destiny here, and it could be way worse. You could be a Carolina Panthers fan right now, just ready to jump off a cliff. But week six is a must-win game for the Miami Dolphins. Make no bones about it, ladies and gentlemen. If we do not win that game, the fans are going to turn. The national media is going to pounce. And now you've got Mike McDaniel as a rookie head coach in a place where he doesn't want to be, answering questions for everything all the time, distracting him from implementing his game plan and strategizing for the Vikings, for the Steelers after that, and all the games coming up after that. Because he's never had to do this before. And that's something that people are forgetting. He was the offensive coordinator. He was the run game coordinator. He was an assistant. So if something went bad, Kyle Shanahan's the one who had to take the shrapnel for that. Mike could go back to designing plays, figuring out what went wrong, and focusing hyper, hyper focused on fixing the offensive game plan for the San Francisco 49ers. He doesn't get that opportunity anymore. He's now the head coach, he's responsible for everything. So if Byron Jones is hurt, he's got to talk about it. If Nick Needham gives up a pass play, he's got to talk about it. If an offensive lineman misses a block and knocks Teddy Bridgewater out with a concussed elbow, He's got to talk about it. He's got to spend more time talking to the media and answering for all parts of this team. It's taking him away from what he does best, which is offensive game planning. So he's got to win this game against the Vikings. He's got to figure out how to do that. Because if he doesn't, watch out. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It does look like we will have Teddy Bridgewater back for the Vikings game. Sorry, my voice is hoarse here, yelling at the TV. We will have Teddy Bridgewater back. He wasn't concussed at all. This new spotter nonsense is going to ruin some games this year. Trust me on that. But uh, we'll have Teddy Bridgewater back. Not sure if Tua's coming back yet or not. I think the optics look really bad if he comes back against the Vikings, even if he's ready. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about that with Chris later this week on the uh, Welcome to Perfectville podcast. I'm going to talk about that and what the Miami Dolphins should be doing, because I think Miami Dolphins have an opportunity here to take a page out of the Raiders playbook, which is normally not what you want to do. Normally, you want to leave the Raiders playbook off to the side because it hasn't proven to be terribly effective. But I think the Miami Dolphins have an opportunity to put the black hat on and embrace the hate. Very much like the Miami Heat did many, many years ago, worked in their favor. I think the Miami Dolphins, and I'll talk about this, need to drop the black cowboy hat right on top of the porpoise and ride off into the sunset as the bad guys. Let's just embrace it. They want us to be the bad guys anyways. So let's just embrace it and shove it up their ass. I'll talk about that with Chris Cullen later properly on the Welcome to Perfectville podcast. But right now, just a instant reaction. Not a good game. The Jets beat us. No excuses. I'm not going to take the injuries. I'm not going to take the refs. I'm not going to take the concussion protocol. I'm not going to take any of that and say that's why we lost. We lost because we weren't prepared. Defense was bad. Special teams was worse. Offensive wasn't even there, really. Uh, odd game, 57 points, not one of them through passing touchdown, all field goals, safeties, and running touchdowns. Very odd, very odd game in general, but, uh, the Jets beat us pillar to post. They started off with the lead, ended with it. Uh, fourth quarter meltdown for the Miami Dolphins defense. You just got to recover. You got to figure out a way if you're Mike McDaniel 
to get them back on the right page and get them winning once again. So uh, that's it. That's going to do it for the Finstant Reaction Show. I want to appreciate you guys for listening to us. We're trying to pump out as much content as we possibly can here on the Believe Network. Uh, this is Sam Marku. Finstant Reaction. Until next time, goodbye from Perfectville. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.